This is a Thinkers 50 podcast, brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative, bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery. Hello, I'm Stuart Craner. This is a Thinkers 50 podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Michael Jacobides, professor at London Business School and holder of the Sir Donald Gordon Chair for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Michael is one of the thinkers making sense of the new organizational world of ecosystems. Michael, welcome. Great to be with you. So what was the genesis of your interest in, in, in ecosystems? Well, I've been studying the evolution of sectors for a very long time, um, and I've been interested in looking at how firms change their sectors and how sectors evolve. So I started looking at what I dubbed industry architectures uh, shortly after my doctoral work at Wharton, when I was looking at the changes and transformations of mortgage banking, when it was very unfashionable to look at that, and then started looking at how firms try to gain advantage by not only competing in a sector, but changing the nature of the sector. And as I did that, more and more, I saw this new form that started emerging and being important in various sectors called ecosystems. And frankly, I couldn't make sense of it. it. Everyone called an ecosystem whatever they wanted. The definitions were all over the place, not just by business, but also uh, in academe. And I said, that is something that we need to start looking at and understanding, both theoretically and in an applied sense. And the project started by itself. So an ecosystem, I've just been reading your HBR article uh, on, on ecosystem strategy. An ecosystem is a, a deliberately orchestrated network spanning different sectors. Absolutely. So, of course, different people use the term for different reasons. But if we stick with ecosystems as a metaphor, as a sense of everything that connects with everything else, then I think that we may be missing some really interesting managerial challenges. You can speak about the ecosystems locally and Silicon Valley ecosystems or ecosystems in terms of governments and so on and so forth. But what I found useful is to distinguish between ecosystem as a metaphor and analogy an ecosystem as an organizational form. Why? Because that helps you understand how you can build advantage by these new types of organizations that come together. And if you think about what these are, you can consider, for instance, your phone. If you think about your mobile phone, your mobile phone is not valuable only by in terms of what device you have, but what is it that the device does for you? And in order to understand that, then you see that you've got the device manufacturer and the device manufacturer uses an operating system. And then on top of the operating system sit apps. Now these apps are apps that are not random collections. They are the apps that an orchestrator of an ecosystem, Android or Apple chooses. So you have a new type of player and this new type of player manages the interactions between different interdependent uh, groups of uh, firms that need to work together to make something broader and bigger make sense, work together. And the ecosystem is precisely this new grouping, this new set of firms that uh, need to uh, cooperate and that are managed consciously by this orchestrator. So in, in ecosystem competition, success is as much about helping other firms to innovate as it, as it is about being innovative yourself. So it requires companies to ask new questions, really. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that underpins ecosystems is the fact that um, we are now shifting from a product that is defined in terms of the individual goods and services that we all knew to something that can cross 
uh, the boundaries and create new firms, new types of competition. So here's the problem. We used to have a world that was based on a very delimited scope and each company knew what its sector and knew what its competitors were. You were a bank just doing banking, you are just doing insurance, uh, you're an architectural firm just doing architecture. But right now, what we have is combinations of all of the above. You have firms that want to build something that covers people's needs. In order to cover people's needs, you need to be innovative, not only in terms of your own product and offering, but where does this embed to? How does this connect? Sometimes it may be able to find a position in someone else's ecosystem. Sometimes it may be building an ecosystem. Let me give you an example. Consider about what people do. You take Chinese tourists, they come to Europe. What do they do? They're confused. They want to have people guiding them. They want to understand the world around them in ways that are intuitive. The Chinese company WeChat, one of the biggest uh, uh, companies, digital companies in China, said, I know what I will do. I'm going to create an ecosystem that's going to be called WeChat Europe. I'm going to give people a SIM card, put them in their uh, device before they leave China. It's going to all be paid in RMB. And then the people walking around in London and in Barcelona and in Paris and in Madrid are going to be able to have local guides that will tell them where they can eat. They're going to give them good deals in terms of clothes and so on and so forth. So it'll cover a broad spectrum of needs. The customer is going to be happy. And that essentially is an ecosystem that is managed by WeChat. On the other hand, that creates the possibility for people to come complemented. Consider now the Dutch telco giant KPM, the former uh, monopoly provider of the Netherlands. What do they say? They sell the SIMs because they are the partner of WeChat and they organize these local ecosystems. And then they go find new partners. They go look at the museums and at the shops and find the deals and organize these things that ultimately make the customers um, very happy because it's simple. This is the yin of the ecosystems, but they do that through brokering innovative relationships and finding the right way of connecting with other players in order to enhance your advantage and do things that the customer wants. That's the yang, that is the strategy bit. So competition and ecosystem means I revisit what the customer wants, I can think afresh about what the needs are, and I need to think about how do I insert myself or connect with various ecosystems? When do I build my own? It opens up whole new spectrum uh, of uh, possibility in terms of strategy. I can understand uh, an ecosystem sounds an attractive idea if I'm at the center of the ecosystem. But actually, by the very nature of ecosystems, you've got to be comfortable with sometimes taking a subsidiary role. Absolutely. And I think that this is, one is a of the big, big change in attitude, isn't it? It is a big change in attitudes. And what we see is that the companies that uh, want to have vanity uh, above reason are companies that get themselves in trouble. Now, not engaging in an ecosystem where the world is changing is going to get you in trouble simply because you're going to be left behind. On the other hand, trying to delude yourself and then thinking that you will be the orchestrator at any cost will eventually lead to a significant loss of uh, money because this is going to be an effort to do something that you're not equipped to do. The problem that I see is that many companies that you do get excited with ecosystems when they start uh, looking at the world rather than understanding that this is a customer-centric structure whereby the customer does no, no longer needs them or the direct competitors but can choose from a variety of different choices think that the world must revolve around themselves they 
miss one particular letter in the word ecosystem and they turn it into an ecosystem, something focused around themselves. And that's a bit of a problem because you ask them, what's your ecosystem? And then invariably they're gonna be drawing uh, on the board themselves in the middle and then further out that you're going to have the big, usually the big tech orchestrators and then the customers somewhere in the distance. And more importantly, the complementers. Because the problem is that now companies need to compete for those that are working with them. And we see that in especially high tech where all of the uh, great people that are doing uh, the programming, the IA, uh, artificial intelligence um, developers uh, are being competed away from many different companies in many different stacks. So yes, you need to be realistic and you also need to understand that a benefit may come from being a partner in someone else's ecosystem rather than trying to create a flailing ecosystem yourself. What are the dangers of ecosystems? Because it seems to me that the complexity and ambiguity are, are, are writ large in this. Absolutely. I think that what you need to do is not bet the farm in one position and one ecosystem and then expect that that's going to keep you going forever. I think that what we see in the world of ecosystems is that you have the need to adjust, expand, scale up more quickly. So the problem is that if you have organizations that are used in making large, discrete capital commitments uh, that expect that they're going to have a fair amount of certainty, they find themselves probably disadvantaged. So you need to ensure that your organization, your decision-making is adjusted in order to be able to respond to the shifting conditions. If it's not, then you are more likely than not going to make an investment that is not going to pay itself uh, out. The other thing that I'd say is that the reason that you do an ecosystem is that you want to follow what the customers really want. So you need to think about that as an investment in understanding customers, understanding customer desires and customer options, and thinking how you're going to be responding and reacting to them. And if you think that that is going to give a surefire solution, then you may be uh, uh, surprised unpleasantly. We just finished now a, a study that's going to be coming out in a couple of months uh, with one of the BCG projects that I'm involved in. And we saw that there's about 80% of the ecosystems that do not lead to dominance. What does that mean? Well, it means that it is uh, something that you cannot bet is going to always lead to success. If by success, you think that you dominate the market. So it's an investment. It's also what will allow you to engage and trying to orchestrate has high potential returns but it has very high risks as well. So who, who's doing this well? Which, which companies understand the, the world of ecosystems and are making it work? Well, I think that the companies that we see are, the, are, are unfortunately more of the technology natives, but hopefully that's going to start shifting. So you have seen the companies that were built by uh, and through ecosystems. So you see the big tech firms, not only in uh, Western economies, uh, but also uh, you see them in China, and you see that what is happening is that they are expanding uh, ever more from um, uh, WeChat to Baidu and from Tencent uh, and uh, from Apple and Google and Facebook. But what you also see is that uh, many companies that understand that they need complementers, especially in artificial intelligence, are starting to move aggressively in this direction. 
some companies like IBM started a little bit more arrogantly, thinking that just by the creation of an ecosystem, people will come and support it. And they found that that was not the case. Some companies like Nokia in the past also thought that by being totally domineering, they would align all other players simply because they have market share. That didn't work out. And what we see is that the companies that are uh, willing to accept more flexible structures are able to succeed. The other things that we see that I think are interesting are companies that support the unsung heroes. So they are the ones that participate in other people's ecosystem. And we see that not only in high technology, but in areas that are in other complex product delivery. We see that in digital healthcare. Uh, we see that increasingly now in um, fitness and so on and so forth. If you want to say, see companies that have been able to uh, support and engage in this transformation. You can think about Philips uh, to speak about a European uh, uh, firm. So I think that there's, it's an exciting uh, area. And I think that the answer varies by which sector you're looking at right now. So where, where does your research go next? Well, the research goes next into the specific do's and don'ts. I'm starting to look not only at the upside of ecosystems, but what distinguishes between successful and unsuccessful ecosystems. There's already one report that told us what distinguishes between ecosystems that have gained traction or not, that is coming out in a couple of weeks in the Dalian meeting of the WEF. Uh, and then uh, there's another paper coming up uh, a little later on in the summer that looks at what are the ecosystems that were able to uh, continue being successful and which were the ones that were being challenged. So focusing on the competition between different ecosystems. The next thing is uh, to go back to what are the organizational determinants that make you more or less successful. What is it that you should change within your organization in order to become more successful in a world where competition is driven by ecosystems. Because what we want to do is not only give an overview of what is changing in the world, but give some specific operational choices that firms can make in order to increase the likelihood of successes and to warn them against the blind alleys and the risks that exist. Because as I said, it's an exciting new world, but it isn't a world that is uh, risk-free. And much as consultants and advisors will always tell you, do the latest thing, we want to have a balanced view of saying, here's why it's great, but here's what you should and shouldn't you do if you're thinking about uh, doing the responsible thing and supporting your company's innovative uh, strategies. Michael, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This is a Thinkers 50 podcast brought to you in partnership with the Brightline Initiative bridging the gap between strategy design and delivery.